Hello again. <laughs> Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 23. The verses are going to be 12 through 35, I believe. When it was morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who had formed this plot. These men went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn curse that we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. So now you, along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander that he, be, that he bring him down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. But before he gets near, we are ready to kill him. But the son of Paul's sister, hearing about their ambush, came and entered the barracks and reported it to Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander because he has something to report to him. So he took him, brought him to the commander, and said, The prisoner Paul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand, led him aside, and inquired privately, What is it that you have to report to me? The Jews, he said, have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the Sanhedrin tomorrow, as though they were going to hold a somewhat more careful inquiry about him. Don't let them persuade you, because there are more than 40 of them lying in ambush, men who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they have killed him. Now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the commander dismissed the young man and instructed him, Don't tell anyone that you have informed me about this. He summoned two of his centurions and said, Get 200 soldiers ready with 70 cavalry and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight and provide mounts to rise so that Paul may be brought safely to Felix, the governor. He wrote the following letter, Claudius Lysias, to the most excellent governor Felix, greetings. When this man had been seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them, I arrived with my troops and rescued him because I learned that he is a Roman citizen. Wanting to know the charge they were accusing him of, I brought him down before their Sanhedrin. I found out that the accusations were concerning questions of their law and that there were no charge that merited death or imprisonment. When I, when I was informed that there was a plot against this man, I sent him to you right away. I also ordered his accusers to state their case against him in your presence. So the soldiers took Paul during the night and brought him to Antipetrus as they were ordered. The next day they returned to the barracks, allowing the cavalry to go with him. When these men entered Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. After he read it, he asked what province he was from. When he learned he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing whenever your accusers get here. He ordered that he be kept under guard in Herod's palace. Amen. You may be seated. That's the first time I've seen somebody read the Bible barefooted holding a baby at the same time in the church. Good. Old Parker. That's right. Yeah, so let's uh, take a moment now. The most important thing you do here today is to pray because, you know, your heart has got to be prepared to hear what God has for you. So let's take a moment and pray right now. Scott, just pray that you open my spiritual eyes and ears. Would you pray that right now in your heart? God, speak right to my point of need. God, I want to hear what you have for me today, God. Remove all the distractions from my mind, Holy Spirit. Stir my affections for you. And draw my heart towards you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> How would you like to do that? 
Well, there's a simple answer right there. If you pray more, you will worry less. It's just that, you know, I think about um, the very beginning. We saw Genesis chapter 1 and Adam and Eve. I mean, they were filled up with innocence and trust. But then you go from chapter 1, you go to chapter 3, and chapter 3, whenever they ate the forbidden fruit and sin entered into the world, everything changed. And drastically, this whole innocence and trust, it turned to fear and worry. See, what's the, ap- the opposite of faith? And that's going to be fear. And you know about you know, fear, worry, anxiety, all those things. Those, I mean, very simply put, those are the opposite of faith. So, I mean, the Bible makes it very clear that worry is a sin. See, we, we talk about, you know, sin like adultery and murder and all those kind of things, but just, just like all of those sins, I mean, you categorize sin, worry is a sin. So we look at this this morning and, and think about this. Now, there's a difference between healthy concern and sinful worry. Healthy concern is a constructive way of thinking that leads you to prayer and preparation. So I've had a healthy concern about this sermon, to be honest with you. I mean, every week I've got a healthy concern about the sermon, and that leads me to prayer and be prepared. And you say, what, this is about preaching sermons? No, this is about every area of your life. God wants you to be praying. And, we, so, and I'll say this too. God wants you to be prepared for what's ahead. You say, well, wait a second, man. I don't, I don't know what's ahead. How can you say that? Well, the reason I can say that is because he has got prophecy in the Bible. You familiar with Revelation? There's a whole bunch of other prophecies other than Revelation also. So why does he give us prophecy? Because he wants us to be prepared for what's ahead. So what's, what's the difference between this and sinful worry? Well, sinful worry is a circular, destructive way of thinking that leads to stress, anxiety, or also we could put panic in there. So if I got to the point where right now I'm stressed out, I'm anxious, or maybe even I'm getting kind of panicky about something, then I would say I'm going to categorize that as sinful worry. So, I mean, I'm asking you this morning, see, right now you may feel like, man, you're David. You're just hammering away at me right now. I mean, I can't help the way I feel. I can't help the way that I think. Well, well, listen, I'm, I'm asking you this. How much have you prayed about this? David, ever since this happened, I've been praying 100 miles an hour about this. But see, here's our problem. Our problem is this. is we don't get out in front of stuff with our prayer. And instead, we try to play catch up with our prayer life. And we don't really start praying until everything is already falling apart. And and here's what I've been telling you from the very beginning, and I'm still going to say it over and over again. This is why I'm always trying to encourage you to pray and to read your Bible, because in essence, what you're doing is you're getting out in front of what's ahead of you. God wants you to be prepared. And the only way you will be prepared is through prayer and reading your Bible and fellowshipping like you're doing right now. These three things are essential for you. See, you're wondering why life doesn't just go easy for you. And our problem with this is whenever life goes easy, we don't pray, we don't study our Bible, we don't seek out fellowship. God wants you praying, you parents. You want your children, your grandchildren talking to you. How do you feel? Those of you that you, you have adult children, if this happens, I don't know, but when your adult children come to you for advice because they trust you and they respect you, how does that make you feel? See, listen, our children, those are the best theology teachers that we have. 
So you gotta understand something. God wants you, he wants you to be praying. So we talked about the struggle bus last week. Let's talk about the worry struggle bus. See, my, my struggle bus is a discouragement. That's what's on. You look at my struggle bus down the side of it, it says discouragement. <laughs> that's, that's what I struggle with. Some of you, your struggle bus is worry. Man, worry's written. I mean, it's like you are an expert at worry. I mean, like if there is anything to worry about, you're worrying about the next thing you gotta worry about. So what is this? So what is the, what, let's see, there's the three don'ts here. Don't, we don't recognize, you don't recognize your identity in Christ. That's going, you're going to struggle if you don't recognize that according to Ephesians 2, 8, that you have been seated, past tense, in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. That's a game changer right there. Why, why is Jesus seated in the heavenlies? Because he reigns and rules from there. And the Bible says that we are seated with him. I mean, that blows my mind. Listen, please, don't come walking in here this morning and say, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. The Bible says you are a saint, you're redeemed, you're seated in the heavenlies. That changes your identity. God does not, listen, if you're in Christ, God does not see you as a sinner. And you may commit sins, but that's not your position. Your position is in Christ Jesus, in the heavenlies right now. So what are you worried about? If you're, listen, if you're already in heaven, you're there spiritually, you're not worried about the things on this earth. Don't have faith that God is in control. Colossians 1.17 says he holds everything together by the power of his mighty word. So everything would fall apart if it wasn't for the fact that right now he's holding it together. The reason that your heart is beating right now, oxygen is going into your lungs, that you cognitively can stay up with what we're saying right now is because God is doing that in your life. God's working right now. You may be sitting here right now thinking, man, God is not doing anything in my life. He's doing everything in your life. You're hearing lies right now. That's not the truth. Hear the truth. He's doing everything in your life right now. He's working and draw. He's getting, trying to get you ready for eternity. So we got a whole bunch of kids going to pile up on a bus and go down to South Texas to preteen camp this coming week. They're leaving today. What is our prayer for them? Want them to go have fun? Yes, we want them to have fun. Would we want them to get saved? Do we want them to get prepared for eternity? Do we want them to get pulled out of the world for just a few days and for God to do something in their life yes. of eternal value? Well, God's wanting to do the same thing with you right here and right now. Why'd you come here this morning? Why'd you come walking in here and sitting in that seat that you're sitting in right now? Why did you do that? Where's well, what I can tell you, regardless of what your motive is, God has got a purpose for you to be here this morning. It is not to hear me preach. God wants to do something of eternal value in your heart right now. So I'm telling you this much. As much as I prepared for this, that means nothing if you're not prepared to hear from God right now. If you've got other stuff going on in your mind right now and you're not hearing from God, you're missing the whole purpose for you sitting here. Number three. Don't believe God can work all things out for the good. Romans 8, 28, you know that one. For we know that in all things God works for the good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So that means that even right now, whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever you're bouncing all over the place with right now, God's desire is to take that and weave that in to where it's working for your eternal good and his glory. Regardless of what it is. So I'm asking you now, do you believe the word of God? 
You say, yes, I do. Look at this. Here's where we left off last week. Man, Paul just went through a very discouraging time with the Jews turning against him there in Jerusalem. And it said that he finds himself there in the Antonio Barricade there in Jerusalem, and he's there that night. Things have not went well. I mean, it's like everything falls apart. And it says that the following night, the Lord stood by him. Here comes Jesus, okay, right there at his low point. And he said, oh, don't be discouraged. You need to have courage. Get off that discouraged struggle bus. Get courage. For as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to, you're going to be in Rome and you're going to testify. Jesus tells him that so we could say that that is a promise. So God is a promise maker and God is a promise keeper. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a question this morning. Has God made any promises to you? Look at this. In the New Testament, it said that all the promises of God, so you can take all those Old Testament promises, okay? They find their yes in him, speaking of Jesus. That is why through him, Jesus, that we utter our amen to God. Amen means so be it. All those promises, so be it. They apply to me as a child of God. Seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenlies. All those promises, they all apply to you. So God's made some promises to you. So right now, you worried? Are you fearful? Are you anxious? Then let's talk about those promises that God has made to you. I'm the Lord your God who holds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear. Number one command in the Bible, spoken more than any other command, don't be afraid, do not fear, I will help you. So right now in your situation, God has made a promise that he will help you. You may be sitting here right now saying, man, David, I don't feel any help. I don't see any help right now. I mean, the things that, the more I pray, it seems like the more these things keep falling apart. Oh, hang on, hang on. Does God operate in the temporary? Or does God operate in the eternal? Okay? See, right now, you and I, we're, we're, we're functioning. Our feelings are all operating on what I'm feeling and I'm going through right here and right now. And you've got to understand something. God is working on the eternal. Okay? So he is help. He is a present. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. That means he's intimate with you. He knows you. You are mine. So are you in Christ Jesus today? The Bible says that you are, God's saying, you're mine then. You belong to me. So when you pass through the waters, I'm wondering this morning, is anybody passing through the waters? Man, I mean, are finances falling apart? Is your marriage in the dumps? Is your job going downhill? Things not working out the way that you anticipated that they would. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Didn't say I'll pull you out of them. Didn't, didn't say if you pass through. It says when you pass through, I will be with you. And the rivers will not overwhelm you. Man, you may be right now saying, oh, I'm overwhelmed. Okay, once again, let's pull out of the temporary. Let's go to the eternal. Are you saved? Is this, is this where it all ends for you right here and right now? If you're lost, it all ends right here. If you're lost, then you're in trouble. Not only, is it, not only is this bad for you, it's about to get a whole lot worse. But if you're saved, I got good news for you today. This is as close to hell as you're going to get. 
I will be with you and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, it doesn't say if, it says when, you will not be scorched and the flames will not burn you. Are you saved today, friend, really? Yes. You got a lot to rejoice about today, you know? Your biggest worry is taken care of. That's your eternal life. My favorite promise, and we'll get to the text, I think. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged. Man, this is what God's always saying to my heart. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. The right hand, that's the hand of victory. And I'll hold you up by that. So, I mean, listen, you may not have anything else today, but I'm telling you this much. The right hand of God, if you're in Christ Jesus, is extended to you. Will you take that hand, and will you allow him to hold you up? He is victorious, past tense. He's already won the victory. So in the morning, after Jesus spoke to him, after the highlight, after the comfort, after the encouragement, the very next morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. And what about that promise we just made the night before? Hmm? See, because when, whenever we have a dream and Jesus gives me a promise that I'm going to expect the next morning to wake up and for the sun to be shining, the birds to be chirping, and everything to go my way, man, it's going to be an easy go from here on out. So this is called the devil after the dove. Do you remember whenever Jesus was baptized and the dove came, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and said, this is my beloved son. What, what was the next thing that happened? The Holy Spirit did what? Led him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? The devil after the dove? So what happens right here is that, yeah, he gets the promise. Jesus is right there. He says, you're going to do all, you're going to be in Rome. You're going to testify for me. But the very next morning, it seems like it's all falling apart again. Can anybody relate this morning in the church? There are more than 40 who have formed this plot. These men went to the chief priests and the elders. These are the religious leaders, by the way. So we bound ourselves under a solemn curse that we won't eat anything until we've killed Paul. Well, wouldn't we expect the religious leaders to go, hang on a second right now. This isn't right. Isn't that what we expect? And listen, listen. The religious leaders here are trying to take matters into their own hands. Are you hearing me this morning? Because some of you, you love Jesus dearly, but you try to take matters into your own hands. And you know what Jesus does? He very lovingly yanks them out of your hands, and it hurts. Okay? And the reason he does that is because he doesn't want you relying on yourself. He wants to show himself strong. He wants to build your faith, and he wants to do something in your life. So now, you, along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander, talking about the Roman commander, that he bring him down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. But before he gets near, we are ready to kill him. But, there's another one of those buts in the Bible, the son of Paul's sister sounds like a... 60s or 70s folk rock band, the son of Paul's sister. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, though? We don't get a name here. The son of Paul's sister. Now, why, why does the 
Why does Luke explicitly say that? Here's why. Paul is a Roman citizen, correct? Paul is a Roman citizen because he was born a Roman citizen, correct? So why would it be important that we know this is Paul's sister? Because she was born a what? All of her children are born what? That changes everything. They are all Roman citizens. So whenever Paul, the, the son of Paul's sister, hearing about, he just happened to hear about that, got real lucky, okay? Yeah, y'all go ahead and laugh. That's a joke. Came, entered the, how does he enter the barracks? He's a Roman citizen. If he's not a Roman citizen, he's not getting in the barracks. He enters the barracks and he reported it to Paul. So this is called the providence of God. You know what the providence is? Providence means God's protective care over your life. Are you concerned with the providential care of God over your life? God's not going to do anything miraculous right here. Are you listening to me this morning? He's going to use ordinary people in ordinary ways to rescue Paul. That's important because some of y'all need to hear that this morning. Because some of y'all, y'all are wanting the miraculous. God can do the miraculous all that he wants to, but you know what? God also works through the ordinary. Okay? And see, when the ordinary happens, we're just like, oh, man, I sure got lucky today. I'm just so smart or whatever. I'm glad I know them. And God's working the whole time, and we give no glory to God. Once again, you're good theology teachers, you parents. Don't you love it whenever you do things for your kids and they don't give you any credit? How's that make you feel? Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the commander because he has something to report to him. Why do they even care? Why do these Romans even care? I mean, like, they could be like, I have time for you, boy. Get out of here. Why do they care? Because God is stirring in their hearts. You say, listen, we talk about people that are lost. What's the most important thing we can do for them? It is to pray that God would stir and churn in their hearts. Whenever we send off all these kids to preteen camp, what's the most important thing is that we pray for them that God will turn and churn in their hearts. That is the most important thing. So right here, what's happening is it's like, man, they are jumping to attention because God's moving. So he took him, brought him to the commander and said, the prisoner Paul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand, led him aside and inquired immediately. Do y'all see this? Yeah. I mean, like, this, this, it's like this guy's like, it has nothing to do, okay? What is it you have to report to me? The Jews, he said have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the Sanhedrin tomorrow as though they are going to hold a somewhat, a somewhat more careful inquiry about him. Don't let them persuade you. And this young man telling this Roman commander that. Okay. Because there are more than 40 of them lying in ambush, men who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they have killed him. Now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the commander dismissed the young man and instructed him, and don't tell anyone that you have informed me about this. Just let them go ahead. Let them, let them think that they got the upper hand on us. Just don't say anything. So he summoned two of his centurions, and he said, get 200 soldiers ready with 70 cavalry and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at 9 tonight. 470 Roman soldiers for one guy, for one Jewish guy. 
Are y'all, are y'all seeing the miracle, the, the miracle? This is the miracle right here, okay? If you want to know the miracle, that is, I mean, if they would send 270 Roman soldiers for this one guy, I'm telling you, what's happening right here is God is stirring in the hearts of people. You say, David, why do I pray? What's the important thing about prayer? This is a great illustration of why it's important for you to be praying. You worried, you struggling, things aren't working out the way they should, people aren't treating you the way they should, are you praying? Are you praying for God to stir in their hearts, to change them, to work in them? Are you praying for God to work in your heart that you'll respond the right way? Also provide mounts to ride so that Paul may be brought safely to Felix the governor. <laughs> He's going to make it safely with 270 soldiers right there in his own horse. So I mean, like, we, look at, we go back just a little bit in the story, and it looks like everything's falling apart. Everything is not falling apart. Everything is coming together. See, you need to hear that this morning because some of you, you think everything is falling apart. From your perspective, from your temporary perspective, right now, you're looking, this is falling apart. And God's on the other side from the eternal perspective, bringing things together. Oh, yeah, Felix, he's the one that replaced Pontius Pilate, just so you're wondering who he is. He's the Roman governor there over Judea. He wrote the following letter, Claudius Lystra. So that's, this is, this is the, the Roman commander. There's his name, Claudius Lysias. To the most excellent governor, Felix, greetings. When this man had been seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them, I arrived with my troops and rescued him because I learned that he is a Roman citizen. He left something out. He left something out. You know what he left out? He left out that whole thing about I was about to scourge him. He left that part out, didn't he? Wanting to know the charge they were accusing him of, I brought him down before their Sanhedrin. I found out that the accusations were concerning questions of their law and that there was no charge that merited death or imprisonment. Here's the interesting thing. The Apostle Paul, every time he's brought up before the Roman magistrates, every time they acquit him. He's innocent every time. When I was informed that there was a plot against the man, I sent him to you right away. I also ordered his accusers to state their case against him in your presence. So the soldiers took Paul during the night, brought him down to Antipas as they were ordered. The next day, they returned to the barracks, allowing the cavalry to go with him. When these men entered Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor. They also presented Paul to him. Caesarea is right there on the, the, it's right there on the coast. Beautiful, beautiful town. So Felix sets up his headquarters there as the the Roman governor over Judea, okay? He has got the most beautiful house. That makes sense, right? The best place, the nicest house around, that's where he lives, in the nicest location. Okay, where are they taking Paul? You see this? How are they getting him there? Do you see what's happening right here? After he read it, he asked what providence he was from. When he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing whenever your accusers also get here. He ordered that he be kept under guard in the five-star Herod's palace. He'll be there for two years, by the way. Matter of fact, the next five years of Paul's life, he will be under Rome. I mean, hard to say he's arrested by Rome, but he's like under their care. He can't come and go, okay? 
up till this point, he can come and go all he wants. Man, he wants to go out and spread the gospel. He goes anywhere he feels led to go. Now he goes where Rome says he goes. But Rome's going to get him where he needs to be. Now, now, now hang on a second. Here's what you got to know. At this point, he's already written 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. He's written um, Philippians. Most importantly, though, he's written Romans. Why is that important? Go read Romans. It is the most deep, poignant, theological treatise, I believe, of all time. He has written it by now. When we see that all this stuff that he's going through right here, and he still struggles, he's already written Romans. See, I know I get a whole lot more encouragement with that than you do, but I am really deeply encouraged by that. To see that what he's going through there, man, where he was, and he still was riding the struggle bus at times. Yeah. Let us read what he said. Here's what Paul said to the church of Philippi. Don't worry. Is that a command or a suggestion? Some of y'all are like, man, I wish I wouldn't have came to church today. <laughs> Don't, listen, what is anything? anything. Mm. But in everything. What? Pray more, worry less. Through prayer, what's petition? Petition means you, you take that prayer, that's a specific prayer request, supercharged prayer about specific things in your life. Through prayer and petition, oh, with thanksgiving. See, we leave that part off right there. Are you thankful today? Even whenever your worries, stressed out and anxious and all that, are you still thankful? See, with, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. God wants to hear your requests. So the preachers of old, you know what they would say? They would say, make your argument or argue your case before God over why what you're praying is right. Preachers today don't say that. That's what they used to say back in the 1700s, 1800s. Argue your case for this is why, God, I'm asking for what I'm asking for. Present your case before God. Listen, he's big enough to handle it. You know what else he's big enough to do? He's big enough to show you where you're wrong. Okay? And the peace of God. You want that today? Man, listen, in my opinion, there is nothing more valuable than to be at peace with God. Because when I'm at peace with God, then I'm at peace with myself. When I'm at peace with God and at peace with myself, then I'm at peace with everybody else around me. It doesn't matter how they're acting. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. When everything falls apart, I mean, logically, this doesn't make sense. I did everything right, and everything has went wrong. It will guard your hearts, oh, and your minds. There it is. Are you in Christ Jesus today? So I'm just, I mean, listen, I'm just asking you rhetorical questions here. Are you in Christ today? Are you worried today? Are you anxious today? What you worried about? Let me ask you this. That thing that you're worried about, is that too big for God? God is our refuge and strength 
A very present help in trouble. Man, that, that should encourage your heart today. That right now, in whatever trouble that you're in right now, it says that he is present in that. Therefore, I will not fear. And when I consider that, therefore, I will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be made, everything falls apart, man. Everything comes crumbling down. I will not fear because he is present. He's a refuge. He's strength. Humble yourselves. What does that mean? What does it mean to humble yourselves? It means that I'm not going to be taking a hold of everything and controlling it myself. I'm not taking matters into my own hands. Listen, to humble myself means I come to God and I say, Jesus, I'm under your kingdom authority rule. You're in charge. Whatever is happening to me, I know that it's going through your hands. And if it goes through your hands and comes into my life, then it comes a great meaning and eternal purpose. Humbling myself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, man, that victorious right hand, so that he may exalt you at the, not the time you want, not when you think it's right, but at the proper time. Casting all your cares on him. The word cast right here, this Greek and the Greek, that's a, it's a word they would use when, when they'd be carrying a heavy load and they'd roll it off their shoulders. You ever done that, dudes? You've been carrying a heavy load on your shoulders, and you didn't just take it and just pick it up with your hand, and oh, yeah. It's just so heavy when you got there, you just like, just rolled off your shoulders. With a roll, listen, some of you right now, you need to let that roll off your shoulders. I'm asking you today, what is it that you need to roll off your shoulders? Now, here's, listen, if you got something right there, you've been carrying that load too far, too long, I wouldn't leave out here without first putting it on one of those little placards and putting it on that cross right there and saying, I'm leaving this with you today. Jesus died for my sins, for my freedom, for my life, and I'm leaving it here today. I'm not carrying it any further. That's what I would do. Casting all your cares on him. Why? See, here's what we don't understand. We don't understand how much he cares for us. Westminster Shorter Catechism. The question, what is prayer? The answer, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will. Listen, some of you, when you pray, you say, God, you know, if it's your will. I'm not saying, I think Jesus did that. Jesus said, you know, I, he, the, the night before his crucifixion, he said, you know, let this cup pass before me, not my will, but your will be done. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you. There's not, because there's not. You're not thinking you're praying, well, it's, it's your will. I don't waste my breath and say that, though, because I know this much. God's will is going to happen. So I spent, I've got five grandchildren. I spent a few hours, took them out um, in my boat this past week for a few hours. We went tubing and water skiing and all that stuff. Here's what I can tell you. Those few hours I spent with those five kids and I'm driving the boat, I got a million questions. Papa, can we get out of the boat? Can we jump out of the boat? Papa, can I go to that place? There's a million questions, you know? Okay? So, so listen, here's why I'm telling you this. It's okay for you to ask your heavenly father some questions. Okay? He wants you to do that. So, now, these things may not be, you know how many times I said no? I said no more than I said yes when I was with them. Because they were trying to do, they wanted to do stuff that would endanger their lives. Oh, like, oh, yeah, and we're going 30 miles an hour, just jump right on out, right under the boat. That's great. <laughs> do what you want to do. I want you to have fun. Well, same thing goes with our Heavenly Father. We're asking some things that, listen, you know what? God's going to give you what you would pray for if you knew everything that he knows. 
for the things agreeable to his will. In the name of Christ, that means according to his will, his authority, with confessions of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercy. Somebody knew more about prayer than you and I do that wrote that. It's just admitted today, okay? And this is the confidence that we have before him. That whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in regard to whatever we ask, then we know that what we have the request, that it will, we will have it according as we ask. Let me read that again. Then we know that we have the request that we have asked from him. Can you ask according to his will? Mm, maybe, sometimes. But here's what I know. That if I ask and he says no, he's just keeping me from jumping out in front of the boat. Okay? He's just saving me from myself. So I'm asking you this. Are, are you willing to allow God to save you from yourself? Go there and make it. Hey, listen, ask. Put your ask out there. But with, the, with this caveat, knowing that God's going to give you what you would have asked for if you knew what he knows. If my grandkids knew what I know, they wouldn't ask me to jump out of the boat at 30 miles an hour in front of the boat. <laughs> so here it is. Look at this, please. Man, you faded off. You're thinking about boats and water skiing and all that. Come on back in for a minute. <laughs> With this one last thing. One more thing for you, okay? What adjustments to my loves and motives? Because my loves and my motives drive my worry. Okay? If I'm loving something more than Jesus, then I'm going to worry about it. Did it hurt a little bit? Because if I love Jesus ultimately above everything else, then I am not going to be worried about anything. It's his. Yeah, I'm telling you, those kids are his. Your finances, it's really his. That's not yours. That job, the house, whatever it is. That husband, that wife, it's all his. You're a steward. You've got a responsibility in this. Yes, I'm not going to say that you, you do. But why are you worried about what's his? Hey, listen, listen. Let me tell you something. If you are at the end of your rope today, and if you are in the deepest, darkest spot, and you are just struggling to put one foot in front of the other, then here's my piece of advice for you. Do the next right thing. That's all you can do. Just do the next right thing. Don't worry about where you're going to end up. God will get you there. All you got to be concerned with is doing the next right thing stepping the right direction, which is towards him. So what adjustments to my loves and motives do I need to make in order to get my prayers in kingdom alignment? So how do I know the answer to this? What am I worried about today? Whatever I'm worried about today, it's in the wrong alignment. I need to pull that out from the top and put that under Jesus. And, And listen, He can carry the load. We bring our burdens to him. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden's light. Would you stand this morning? So, you know, man, this sounds so easy, but it's not that easy. I mean, like, I just blew through that in like three minutes. 
And there is hard unless I'm willing to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to me where I've got disordered loves. That's what Augustine said. Augustine said, and I agreed with him. Augustine said, our greatest problems are disordered loves. It's not that we love the wrong thing. It's that we love the right thing in the wrong order. Right. <laughs> you know, we've got some good things that God's given us, but I'm just loving it more than God. That's a disordered love, and that thing will bite me in the rear. Regardless of how wonderful and lovely it is. You got some great things in your life right now. I mean, like you love those things and they're wonderful gifts from God. And you're like, yes, I realize that, David, but I know that I'm loving it more than Jesus because I'm worried about it. I'm stressed out about it. I'm afraid if I lose this, it'll all fall apart. Well, see, listen, this is what you're telling me. You're telling me that you don't believe God's in control. If God is in control, if his providence is rolling, then it doesn't matter what you lose here and now. He cares for you. Oh, David, I'm not really caring. I'm just I'm worried about myself. I'm worried about those kids, my kid. I'm worried about my, my grandkids. Hey, listen, let's roll that back up into the same category. They're his, and they're his. So what do you do? If you're worried about it, what do you do? Here's what I can tell you. The time that I went into the deepest and darkest depression in my life, man, when I was struggling with one foot in front of the other, when I was going in there and thinking I haven't eaten in days and I would take that half peanut butter sandwich and I would gag as I ate it, here's what I can tell you. That prayer life was barely existing. Man, I could, if you came to me at that time, and man, if I could go back and grab myself around the neck and say, Boy, pray. Quit being a baby and shake and pray. Well, that little baby would have been shook and everything. I said, but I can't. Prayed and I prayed and everything's falling apart. Make all kinds of justifications. I'm too tired. Do you know how much I prayed? Nothing got better. It just got worse. I see. We can justify and make all those excuses. But here's what I will say at the end of the day. I would say to myself back then, I would say, your problem is this. You haven't prayed enough. Right. Sitting about what you feel right here and right now, suck it up and pray. You got your faith in the wrong order. Amen. Once again, easier said than done. So right now, you may be doing good. You may be at the top of the mountain singing at the top of your lungs and life has never been better. Here's what I can tell you. There's some people around you that are in the valley. And those people in the valley, see some, some of them can't pray for themselves. And they need you. They need you to pray from the mountaintop for them. They may need you to come down off your mountaintop and come down there and put your arm around them and pray for them. I ask God right now, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. God, we thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you uphold us with your mighty victorious right hand. So I want to ask you to 
please don't look around right now. Just out of respect for the other people around you. I'm not even going to look around either. I'm, I'm going to do the same thing I'm asking you. Let's just all close our eyes for a moment. And so right now, if you're like, man, I'm the dude down, the, or the girl, whatever, down in the valley, and I'm, I can't pray for myself anymore, will not you just put your hand up, just reach up right now. Yeah, so you can put your hand back down. So God, for those that just reached up to you right now, God, I pray for them. I pray for their faith. God, I pray that you give them strength to take another step in the right direction. God, I pray that you will block all the lies. And they'll hear the truth. God, I pray that today that they will be filled with hope. I pray today that they'll see past the temporary and see to the eternal. That they'll see that everything isn't falling apart and you're from your side, but it's all coming together. Bless you. So let's commune with the Lord a little bit before we head out. So I invite you to come down and or go to the back, get your elements, and once someone from your family goes, you can have a seat. Yeah, so let's go ahead and open up. So look at that, that bread for just a moment. Let's consider how much God cares for you. That Jesus left heaven. The King of Kings came and he was... He was born in poverty in Bethlehem. And he lived a perfect life, a life of innocence and trust and faith. He lived a life that you and I couldn't live so he could give his life and pay the price that we couldn't pay for our sins. So he said that every time we do this, we do this in remembrance of him. So as you're holding that, looking at that bread, we're remembering right now the tremendous sacrifice. See, some of us, we, we've taken communion 
you know, it seems like our whole life in church and you know, something that I didn't consider until here recently is that I thought that it was just something that we did. But here's something that I would ask you to consider today is that God is very active in what you're doing right now. This isn't just something you do. This isn't just a ritual that you go through. But God is very active in what we're doing right now. God is doing something. Some mystery, we don't understand it. But he's doing something now. So as we take communion, we, if you're willing, you can pray with me. We, we like to pray together. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming and living and dying for me. Thank you for your sacrifice. You are my king, my Lord and my God. I take and eat in faith. Let's eat, church. As you do, let's open the juice. So just look at it for a moment here and let's contemplate. Represents the new covenant, the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins. Let's just keep seeing that verse we just read running at the forefront of my mind for he cares for you. So I'm wondering today, do you realize that? As you look at this cup and you look at that juice, do you fully realize how he cares for you? That he would go through what he went through for your salvation so you could be forgiven, so you could be free, so you could do this today, partake with him and one another in this. Oh, he cares for you. So let's pray together. So Jesus, thank you for your blood. Forgive me for my unbelief at times. Forgive me for my worry. Forgive me for my anxious thoughts. ask you to bring those all under your blood. Jesus, you are my Lord and my God. And I drink this in faith. Let's drink, church. So let's all stand. We're going to pray over... All of our children that are about to head off to preteen camp, we're going to pray for them as we pray and close out this service today. So, you know, I know that what we do is whenever somebody prays is we listen. But I'm asking you, as you're listening to me pray, to be praying with me in your heart. So there's, the more people praying, the more power there is in the prayer. I don't understand that, but that's just a simple truth. So... You don't have to say anything out loud, but I'm just asking you to, if you agree with what I'm praying, just in your heart, come into agreement and just 
pray to the Lord with me. So God, we, we pray over all the children and the sponsors and the leaders that are going to be heading down to Piney Woods. Y'all are going to Piney Woods, right, Christy? Going down to Piney Woods camp this, this week. God, we pray for the camp pastor, the administrators, the facilities. God, we pray that you just send your angels to rebuild the shields and hedges of protection around Piney Wood this week, around the, the, the bus that drives them there and the bus that drives them back home, the bus driver. God, everything that's happening, we pray that you'll just infuse it with your Holy Spirit, with your power, with your empowerment. God, we pray, God, for those children that they will have a good time. God, we pray that especially for tonight, that they will not be missing their parents, that you comfort those little hearts that are, some of them that'll be away from home for the first time, and the ones that are just a little fearful of being away from their parents. We pray that you would give them comfort. We pray for our sponsors, that you give them wisdom, that they'll see it, and that you give them wisdom how to speak into that and to comfort those children tonight, oh God. And God, we pray for safety. We pray for fun. We pray for health. And God, most of all, we pray that your Holy Spirit will just do a work in every single one of those little hearts. God, that you will fill them with faith, that you will fill them with joy. And God, that this week, that they will just hear you speaking to their hearts. God, for the ones that are be loading on that bus, that they're coming from broken homes, God, we pray that you will speak to them, to the ones that have been mistreated by their families. God, this week that you administer to them, to the ones that are filled with anxious thoughts and fears and worries, that you would be the God of all comfort to their little hearts this week. God, we pray that just for the next few days that the stress and the struggle that some of them are going through and the hard life that they're living, God, that you would rescue them from that, that you would set them free for that for just a few days at least here, God, and that they could be filled with joy. God, thank you for our counselors and our leaders that are going. God, we pray that you give them rest at night, that they would be filled with joy. We thank you for the people that provided money for some of the kids that couldn't afford to go. We pray your blessings over them for doing that, God. God, I pray for every heart here right now. As we leave out of here today and the flesh tries to pull in the worry and anxious thoughts, Holy Spirit, help us remember what we learned today and apply it to our lives. God, help us to pray like we never prayed before. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.